someone wanted to know, uh, are there any good juggling books that you would recommend to read? <laughs> and I figured, I mean, that was a good question to get. And obviously out of the two of, two of us, you're the one who's going to answer it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I've had this project for probably around 10 years to try to make a bibliography mm. of all the juggling literature. Yeah. So it's divided between books, magazines, and magazines has some kind of uh, has a number of subcategories such as you have juggling magazines like Juggler's World and Cascade, mm. but you also have other magazines that contain uh, juggling information. And most, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about m old Magic magazines used to have juggling in them, and also there was Artist magazines. Okay. Where artists used to um, advertise to try to get gigs. There was a magazine called Echo. Uh, there was another one, Der Artist Organ. Yeah, there's a number of them that in the first half of last century, basically, there was a number of those. So mostly you were looking into, I guess, printed material, like printed literature or printed uh, everything in print. I mean, you, you, you didn't do podcasts, you didn't no. do other sources of no although i did work on a filmography as well cool like trying to but that's obviously really difficult especially with youtube and stuff but yeah if you limit yourself to maybe some kind of canon of juggling yeah and at least maybe you could have a filmography of all the you know francis brun videos and or also a certain period of time exactly so, yeah you know it, it would make sense that something like that existed but yeah, still a work in progress. But um, back to the bibliography. So I worked on that for about probably about 10 years. And it contains, I think, roughly in terms of the book section, it's roughly 500 titles. Hmm. Uh, and I, I started off by combining some existing bibliographies hmm. like Mary Wilkins that right. you mentioned in a previous talk. Yeah. She had a bibliography that she had made. Uh, there was a bibliography made by a German juggling historian called Hermann Sagemiller. And um, there was another guy, his name is Ed, uh, Edgar Hale, I believe his name is, a magician in the US in like the 60s hmm. who made a bibliography. So the, a number of these uh, bibliographies existed and I basically took, took them all and like combined all the information, uh, all the titles of their, their bibliographies, and then I started to add my own. I mean, would you say from those ones that you combined, you know, if you're saying right now, let's say the number is around 500 books on this list or, or pieces of literature, right? Um, you know, Mary Wilkins, was her bibliography near 500? Like, was there a few missing pieces or did you combine, they were kind of half and half and then you... I don't know, like, what was the... I'm just trying to understand the scope of, of I if what, what had been done before you started to work on it. Yeah, I don't remember now how substantial they were. If I'm going to guess, I think the one from Sagi Miller was probably the most... The one that contained the most. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I'd have to look that up. But, but yeah. Do you, feel, do you feel that you added quite a few when you started diving into it deeper? Yeah, if I'm going to ballpark it, I'd say I probably added 200 titles, something okay. like that. Right. So you, you did quite a major... I mean, you uncovered a big chunk. Right. After yeah. after adding their, theirs together. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. I, and there's also been quite a few books like rec in the recent years that 
couldn't exist in those bibliographies. Like Mary Wilkins, I mean, she probably stopped. Sure. I don't know, maybe right. nine, 1990 or something. Okay, like that. yeah. You know, so. I was going to ask, I mean, out of those 500 pieces of writing, could you situate the 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 majority of them in a certain period of time i mean like that that's what you were just kind of talking about with mary wilkins you know that she wouldn't have had a lot of the books on her list because of when she was making her bibliography do you think the majority of titles are of our time or before we started juggling or can you say some sort of yeah i mean probably the biggest kind of burst of publications probably came quite recently hmm uh, but I, I, it's hard for me to gauge if there was some certain epoch that produced more uh, juggling books than some other. I haven't really looked into that, to be honest. But. Well, I mean, it, it's funny. I mean, the reason I thought of that is because, you know, when I was growing up and starting to juggle, my just from my perspective, and, and I mean, looking back on it, I understand it's, it's different than what I was experiencing at the time. But I, I think I had this feeling that there was a lot of juggling books when I started juggling. And then as I got older, there, nobody made juggling books anymore. And a, and a large part of that had to do with the internet and YouTube and then later Instagram and whatever uh, podcasting got popular and stuff. Because um, I really remember for a while there, uh, nobody had made a juggling. It felt to me that nobody had made a juggling book for a long time. Uh, there was a certain period of time there before the internet kind of exploded. Um, but at the same time, I mean, looking back and reflecting on that, well, I was new to juggling at the time. So of course, any sort of uh, new, you know, new discovery into juggling made a big impression on me. So now I think if I find a book, you know, today I'm less, you know, it has less of an impact just cause I've, I've just been doing this for so long. It's not so novel as, or, you know, so unique as when I was like eight years old, like, Whoa, there's a book about juggling. That's insane. That, that's so crazy. And uh, then the other thing, too, is to say that, of course, the records and the traces we have of juggling of the past pre-digital, pre-whatever, it's through these certain books. So that's, that's, they're very visible, is what I mean. The traces of those time periods are always referenced to these certain pieces of literature because that's kind of all there is as a touchstone of that era, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, I would say that the 80s and the 90s, they have a pretty steady stream of, you know, learn how to juggle type books. Mm, okay. And we don't really have that anymore. There, there are books still being written about that begin, those beginning steps of juggling, but I don't think nearly to the same extent as in the 80s and the 90s. Because in back then you could reach, you know, a wide audience if you wrote, like juggling for the complete klutz, yeah. for an example. I mean, that sold millions of copies. Yeah. So that that's not possible today because now the, you're going to have a YouTube tutorial mm. and that's going to be where people are looking. Mm -hmm. If, if the, the big mass, that's where they're going to look if they want to learn how to juggle. Gotcha. Well, out of these uh, around 500 whatever books or magazines and whatever collections that you've documented, I mean, so do you have some favorite ones or do you have any? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> part of the work that, I, that I'm uh, engaged with is to also write a reading list. Mm. So, okay, I have all these, five, let's say it's 500 titles. Mm. So what are, what about these 500 titles? If, if someone would like to look into it, maybe I could make a selection for them uh, as a starting point. If you're going to start somewhere to dig into juggling hit literature, where are you going to start? And I think that my approach has been very focused on juggling history. 
okay. to understand juggling history because I think that is where the juggling liturgy, literature becomes most useful. Right. If you want to learn how to juggle, the literature isn't really... Yeah. I mean, you, you can't compare that to videos. Right. You just can't. So, true, true. So I think that the, the subject that still, where literature still has uh, a significant, uh, you know, can have a signi- significant impact is on the historical side. I mean... I think it's pretty easy to agree that, you know, reading descriptions of juggling and trying to understand in your head, if you have no previous experience with some sort of trick, what that should look like. I remember, for example, you know, I had the complete juggler by Dave Finnegan and I remember there were, there was a, the, the trick description in there for chops and I'd never seen three club chops. Mm-hmm. And for the life of me, I could not figure it out. Like I really could not envision what in the world those words were supposed to be describing um, and so I think I had a version of some sort of, it wasn't chops, but I had a trick that I had gotten from reading the text and mulling it over. Right. And there's one sort of parallel to that, which I heard recently, um, in the magic world. So, you know, there's, there's one kind of Bible of the magic world expert at the card table. Right. And that's a pretty dense text. It's pretty, uh, opaque writing. It's pretty, it's pretty hard to get through the sentences. Even it, it's kind of maybe an older style of writing and, and you could say, or I've heard, I've heard different magicians talking about, um, sure, these days the kids can just go on YouTube and see the tutorial of how to do the trick and it's right there in front of you with frame by frame slow motion replay and how is the hand position and this and that. Whereas when you're reading expert at the card table, it just takes you literally 50 times to go through the text before you even start to comprehend the image of what they're trying to describe. But that the process of going through those 50 readings right it gives you a deeper actually in the end it, you benefit more so you could say like the the video is a quicker method to to go into the to the actual action but suffering through the <laughs> through the literature gives you a different kind of knowledge uh, so maybe it's not maybe videos aren't just uh, you know what i mean it, yeah yeah totally. it's not just the no, easier. I, I can totally relate to that and actually um expert at the card table which is written by sw erdnes which is a pseudonym like we don't know a pseudonym, pseudonym, pseudonym. Yeah, yeah we still don't know who the author who the real author is right and that's been there's so much about that in the world of magic if if someone's interested in that there's a whole world to yeah. dive into there. super interesting stuff i believe the book was written in like 1902 or four oh, or six or something or six it's yeah. in the first decade yep so that is probably a contributing factor to the language yep. being the style of the writing. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So, so that that can be uh, a reason to why it's like that. Right. But in terms of like getting through a text many times before you actually squeeze something out of it, that was very much my experience with uh, the books by Karl Heinz Seaton. Mm. Because like I had those books and I, I really loved those books probably because we had the chance to sit down with Karl Heinz. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I had the books on my own, like back in Sweden when Karl, Karl was in Berlin, so he wasn't around. And then, you know, trying to go through those books. I remember that. It's just like, what's going on here? Like, I was really trying to get some kind of overarching understanding. And it was really, well, really difficult. I remember we got that manuscript for the, what, what did it end up being, what did it end up being called? The past and future 
juggling the past and future exactly so the manuscript for that book me and you we went over that i mean literally 12 times or something and part of the problem of that just to say was that carl had written probably handwritten the first draft of the manuscript in various forms um and had chunks of it translate translated from german into english by different people so just that translation style of different individuals over the years of those chapters, it was almost incomprehensible yeah. chapter to chapter, right? There was just no consistency or formatting. I just mean in terms of structure of language, of how to use punctuation and how to use adjectives or whatever, right? It was just, it was really hard to read. I mean, at one point, I, I, you, you had me go, because we, we scanned the manuscript into the computer and you had me proofread it just to make sure that the scan made like, two N's and not into an M and all these little things like that or an mm -hmm. L into an I. And I think I gave up after chapter 10 or something. I said, I quit because I can't take the, just the style of writing was just, it was just incomprehensible. It drove me nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that was, um, that was a process, definitely. But I mean, when, back when I, if I backtrack to that time where I started to get into those books and the pursuit that I saw myself engaging with the, it was it was very much two things that i was interested in like first so what i did was when i started to have a little bit of grasp of juggling history i wanted to divide juggling history into epochs where each epoch ended with some significant change so when you get up to a certain part where a certain point in time where juggling changes so significantly that you can start talking about juggling entering a new epoch or a new era. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to divide a juggling history like that. Like for an example, if you look at juggling before Rastelli and juggling after Rastelli, it's completely different. Same thing with Cinquevalle, same thing with some other things. Can, can I just say yeah. a really quick, a side note to that. I mean, we were in the car talking the other day about this and we kind of had that ultimate list of jugglers and we were trying to, to discern the criteria to make it onto the list. And you, you had said something like, yeah, a little bit controversial, but I maybe wouldn't put Francis Brunn mm -hmm. on such a, you know, a certain kind of list. Uh, and that was kind of, and you're talking about these epochs maybe that, that you always hear, I think generally you hear people talking about the jug, the great jugglers of the past. And it's always like, Ristelli, Francis Brunn, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. you were like, well, in terms of these epochs, perhaps Francis wasn't exactly as influential as some of these other characters, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I obviously, like Francis Brunn is one of my favorite jugglers of all times. Right. And amazing and in terms of like the pleasure of watching some someone mm. he's you know super high up there however i don't think that you could say if you look at the history of juggling you cannot say that juggling looked in a certain way and there comes francis brun and then after that it's completely changed yeah i mean my my only argument uh towards francis for having that kind of status of changing this epoch changing thing is that you know he did end up saying, no, juggling is art. I look at juggling as art. And the thing, though, he did was he didn't really change the juggling itself so much as much as he changed the framework. So the music, the costume, and then most uh, significantly or obviously his movement style. So he adopted this flamenco dance style. But a lot of the tricks weren't the technique itself wasn't so much changed. He did a little bit more 
uh, with body movement with the one balls tricks and stuff but in terms of the actual juggling technique um, I wouldn't say he really changed that into well art but he definitely changed the framework as an artistic framework and I think that was a really big significant uh, I mean you know an argument towards having a yeah a big influence totally and I do think that it's very important that he said those things and had those ideas about juggling like no this is an art form and like he did explore you know movement style and aesthetics to a very high degree compared to most other jugglers but i still don't think that you can discern a change in the culture that you know you have francis brun and then after francis brun suddenly the whole culture is you know on board with juggling being an art form and being (laughs) you know Sure. Available to, you know, a multi, multi, multiple ways of, of expressions and styles and stuff like Good that. Good point, yeah. You can't see such a thing. Right. And in terms of aesthetics and movement styles, if you look at that conceptually, yeah. Francis Brown is probably one of the strongest examples. But if you take, for example, Bobby May, mm. I think that he had already explored that conceptually. Bobby May, I think... I mean, it's hard to say because before Bobby, we don't have film of people. So we don't know mm. if Cinque Valle had a specific movement aesthetic or mm. style. Mm. He might have. Right. But we don't know that. But in terms of the traces that we have that we can talk about, we can really, I think, really look at Bobby May and see that he had a very elaborate mm. way of juggling. Yeah. In the same way as Francis Brown has a very elaborate way of juggling. It's not just about the construction of the tricks that he's doing, right? No, it's funny you say that because, you know, uh, Francis Brown is adopting uh, the flamenco kind of aesthetic. And, you know, Bobby May had his own personal aesthetic, definitely. But it's just so much easier than to have that discussion when you say, no, but juggling is an art form. And then you can point to flamenco because flamenco is also an established art form that you can relate to. Whereas with Bobby May, you go, yeah, he... He shrugged his shoulder, he stretched his arm out straight, and he yeah. kind of shrugged, and he kind of hunched, and then he kind of popped yeah. up. But, like, you can't com- you can't point to, you know, it's not like he's doing a ballet style where you can point to ballet and go, art, <laughs> art. You know, it's hard yeah. to map art onto Bobby May, but you're totally right. So that's a good observation, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really think so. I mean, but, but I mean, Francis, I mean, incredible. Uh, but, it, it, like, so, so I was very engaged with that. You were trying to make the epoch the of the, era, the eras of juggling, eras what of are juggling they and for why? Because uh, then maybe if you have a if you have a larger uh, chunk of information that spans over a long period of time, in order for that to be graspable, I think you have to divide it up into digestible chunks. So I th- I wanted to do that, and I, then I you know I the next idea was that okay let's do it by these eras where you can pin down these observable changes in the culture and in the mm. you know activities of the jugglers that seemed like a you know pretty good idea to me to do it like that so so I I kind of did that and in terms of lug- juggling literature. I think I came down because it's it gets harder and harder. Of course, you the closer you get to now, mm. it's much easier to look into the past and be like, okay, what what made this specific period uh, distinguish itself from their other periods, right? So when we start to approach the now, I was thinking very much about like, okay, but what what's what? How can we distinguish this period? 
and what could the change be that w- that's happening now mm. that we could later look back on and yeah. be like, okay, that period has this specific change and we can't really see that earlier. Right. So what I was try- trying to think about, like, okay, I have all this juggling literature and we have these bi- bibliographies and we can kind of, s- we can collect all of that information and we have the ability to summarize that and to... Mm. to uh, to clarify that where we are in the greater scope of progression of, of the progression of juggling right and I think that hasn't really been done some sort of age of awareness or yeah something <laughs> like that that yeah. okay we at this point right now we have an opportunity and that is to ask the question what is juggling knowledge Wow. Because yeah. we know the skill of juggling, the activity of juggling we've engaged with for a hundred years, right? right. We've, engaged, we've been engaged with that. So what is new now? Well, we can know about juggling. These things are knowable. How do we summarize that? How do we break that down into a knowledge? Just like there is a knowledge about architecture. There's a knowledge yeah. about medicine. There's a knowledge about psychology. And then you can practice all those things. Yeah, I remember you told me a story from this last summer. You went to a friend's wedding. And then you're at the reception and you, you know, you, maybe you're in the line for the buffet or whatever, right? You start talking to a random guest. Oh, hey, what do you do? Oh, I'm Eric. Oh, I'm a juggler. What do you do? Oh, yeah, I'm so-and-so. I go to architecture school. You want to, you remember that? Yeah, it was a psychology. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was studying psychology or he had just graduated or something like that. No, he but, just started his first year of school or something. Uh, and you yeah. said, yeah, but what are you doing in your first, I remember because you said, what are you mm-hmm. doing in your first year of school of psychology? And he said, he was kind of like exasperated or a bit yeah. bored he's like oh you know you just get that book about the history of psychology or yeah, whatever you just break down the, the you know the foundation of what psychology is and where it and, came from and you get that and book. how the knowledge and was that, and you get that textbook. established yeah, yeah you get that textbook of how yeah. the knowledge was established right you know that old thing yeah <laughs> you know that old boring thing that you get when you do psychology yeah because otherwise there's no chance in the world for you to understand it in the greater scope of things exactly right, right. I mean, that's yeah. a given that's obvious that's obvious and then you're yeah. you're there you're there as a juggler you're like crying on the inside of like if only we had anything like that right <laughs> exactly yeah that's exactly. crazy that's cool yeah. but i had only i already had the epiphany before then but it was just a comfort such a you know painful confirmation of that that yeah there's in other fields they've understood this by now i mean you 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 had told me at one point i knew you were working on this bibliography for so long and you had said at one point you're like you know you could actually read every single thing ever written about juggling in a pretty short time. Like, do you remember, like... Yeah, that's the wild thing about juggling literature. When I started to, like, get to the end of the bibliography and I'm like, oh, okay, there's not not so many new titles are appearing. Like, I'm, I'm still researching this and looking and there's so many, you know, there's so many sites online now that are dedicated to literature, places like the Gutenberg Project. And, mm, right. But, and also, like, book sale sites, you know, like Bookfinder and... Abe books and yeah. eBay and all these things. You could just type in juggling or juggler or, you know, whatever whatever phrase that you have that that 
is related and you're going to be you're going to find stuff right so after doing that for 10 years you know eventually it started started drying up right and so I, maybe maybe when you started it was overwhelming like oh man this is going to be an endless quest like right. I'll, I'll never get to the end yeah yeah so i don't think you you never reach 100% i sure, think there's but, always something that gets lost in the cracks yeah but i'm i'm quite you know i'm quite certain that we've we've been able to gather uh the the most significant uh yeah. things and also like there hasn't been zero work in this area before. Sure. I mean, there has been, since juggling at the beginning was very adjacent to magic and magic magicians have always had an obsession of, for books. Like I said, one of the bibliographies was lit, written by Edgar Hale and he was a magician, right? but still was so into the bibliography stuff that he's like, I'm going to make one for juggling literature too, <laughs> you know? Right. And in the earlier versions of, of uh, you know, the precursor to juggling, to juggle magazine yeah the jugglers bulletin and the uh, ij newsletters mm. they had bibliographies and literature sections and such so i've there's also there's been work in this time all through this development so i don't have to rely solely on my own work in terms of like finding the most significant stuff because if there's something really significant out there that i've missed it also means that edgar hale missed it mm. javi burgess mm. missed it you know blah 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 blah, blah. all oh, these yeah. saga miller missed it so many people must have missed it and you, you, the probability just yeah. goes down and right. down and down, and that so that, that's why I feel quite certain. But if you look at that that collection now that you have on that yeah. list, I mean, are you astounded at all by either how big or how small that list is, or do you think you're like, oh no, it's kind of reasonable, or are you just like, man, that's pretty small considering the the scope of what you're dealing with, or I mean, yeah, you, it's hard to say because I haven't. I haven't, you know, dealt with really with some other art form in terms of scope of what's right. available. I right. mean, I dabbled with, you know, modern art and a little bit with dance literature, but not to the extent that I can say well, that, that I have an overarching idea of the entire body of literature in those fields. Well, it's funny. That's exactly what I was getting at, where it's like now you collected this bibliography of all the juggling literature and... Yeah, is that even possible to do if you were into music or if you were into... Right, right, right. That was can you the, imagine that? That, that was you the know. epiphany. I was just right. like, wow, I have all these titles right. and it seems like there's not that many that, that keep popping up. Hmm. I could actually... Like, this is a feasible yeah, you could task. You could accomplish your task. I could go through this list, like 500 books. Like, I could browse 500 books, you know, probably. If, let's say I spent a day for each title. Like, yeah. you could do that and you could get a grasp, right? I see, right? Yeah. yeah. And then after you've done that kind of sor uh, sorting out, then you could kind of have two piles, like interesting stuff, not so interesting stuff. Right. And then you get to that pile after the year where you have only things that you that you put in a pile and be like, I need to table this because I need to go through these ones more thoroughly. Okay. So let's say you took another year to go yeah. just through that. Yeah. Right. And that's a, that's a doable task. And that just, I, I was just blown away by that because you could never do that, right? In architecture or yeah, you, you, music. I guess you know, not. I mean, intuitively, it doesn't seem like that's possible. I'm guessing not. Right. No. And now, and now, you know, now, yeah, there's the reality of like, hey, you want to read basically about all the significant stuff ever written about juggling. Oh yeah, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> that's something you could do. Yeah. That's just, that's crazy. Well, so you said earlier 
you were kind of working on uh, some sort of reading list. Because I asked you, do you have any favorite books? And you go, oh, yeah, I was working on some sort of reading list. And we started talking about other things. But on this reading list, do you have any titles that popped out? Or for And for, and for different reasons, I guess, I'm really curious. Like, <clears throat> is, there a, is there a book you really like in the bibliography just for, you know, academic reasons of like, oh, it's mm-hmm. so significant. But then maybe there's another book you really like because it's super fun to read or it has like a funny cover. I, I don't know. Like, what's the... Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I do have that. Let me just tie up the bag in terms of the previous stuff that we talked about because okay. there's two more things that oh, okay. I feel uh, are important to say in, in regarding juggling knowledge and what's significant about the era that we're at now. Oh, yeah. I think that <clears throat> right now we're in an era where we have the chance to define what juggling knowledge is what the sources of that knowledge are, what are these sources, like who made them, what does the development look like. So if we did that, we also have this unique chance to connect juggling knowledge to juggling practice. And I don't mean practice as in I'm practicing my five ball cascade. I mean practice as in the doing of the juggling. Mm-hmm. Like how does jug how do, and it is back to that Greek thing of techne uh, and episteme like the the uh, episteme is the intellectual knowledge of something and techne is the technique the doing of that knowledge, so we have the chance to become aware of those two areas of of knowledge basically and how they're connected, mm. and to summarize that I think that we. The era, the era that we're in now has the chance to take a step outside of juggling and look at juggling from the outside as one field and what are all the contents in this field and what are all the areas of knowledge within that field and how do they re- relate. Because mm-hmm. right now we have a fragmented knowledge culture in juggling. The people that are into side swap and like theor- theoretical aspect of juggling, they might be into that. but. That doesn't mean at all that they have historical knowledge. It doesn't mean that they have knowledge about show creation, let's say. Mm. Those are all like fragmented, isolated islands of juggling knowledge, right? So we have a chance to step out of the picture and be like, what are all the islands of knowledge within the greater scope of juggling, right? And how are they connected? And how could they kind of cross uh cross pollinate or feed each other exactly i mean you yeah. i mean i think it's getting way better than it had been a few years ago and maybe this is again because of the internet's growth or whatever but you had made an observation um probably, it's probably it feels not so long ago but it's probably been whatever how long have i known you 20 years ago but you said you know most jugglers are only interested in the juggling that they themselves do yes that kind of blew my mind because I was really ready. When you first said that, I was like, no, that's not true. And I thought about it for two seconds. I was like, you're completely right. I mean, it used to be, and again, I've seen in the past, like really the past five years, even we can say a real big change in this area, at least my observations when I go to travel to different shows with jugglers, different festivals of juggling. I mean, I really, I'm sure there's still, we can still find exceptions to what I'm going to say, but um, I distinctly remember going to festivals, you know, 20 years ago, and it would be like, hey, the public show is going to happen now uh, in the theater or in the other end of the gym. And you'd still have that gang of people who are like, well, we just like to do club passing. We're going to stand here and pass clubs, right? And it was just like, oh, of course you are, because 
you're into club passing, that's the thing you like about juggling, and the rest of juggling doesn't isn't really relevant to you, or you don't really you can't really find how it's relevant to you, right? And that's that was always a funny like observation when I was a kid. I'm like, because I was so into the shows, right? And I was just like, you're crazy. You're not gonna go see the show, you know? Like who like so and so is gonna perform or whatever? And they're gonna do this crazy juggling trick. And they're like, nope. But we like to pass clubs. It's cool. I, I don't need to see the show. Um, but I think in recent years that that attitude has changed a little bit. There's been a lot a little bit more cross pollination between the different areas. But for the most part, I think it was a really good observation you made that people are generally only interested in the juggling that they themselves do. Yeah, I thought about it specifically in, to, in terms of the public shows, the galas at the juggling conventions. Mm. And I, I, it really struck me that the dream performer for most jugglers is someone who does exactly what they do, but a little bit better. <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah. You know, that's the that's the jackpot really. Like, oh he did that but with four clubs. I do it with three. Now I know what, what I'm gonna do and try when I get to the gym later on, right? I mean I really remember that when I went to see the, the Michael Motion piece in Mystere, uh with the Cirque du Soleil show Mystere, and there's Pat McGuire and Steve Gotts and Jean Bernard rolling the ball in the metal shape. And I just remember there was a guy, a juggler, who I met after he had seen the show. And of course, like I said, it's my favorite show and my favorite juggling I've ever seen in my life. And the guy's like, but Pat McGuire was on stage and I know he can do seven ball bouncing and he didn't bounce seven balls at all. And like, he just had one ball and, and, and like, I just wanted to see the seven ball cascade. And what I realized was this guy, he couldn't do the seven ball bouncing, but he could maybe do five or six and he wanted to do the seven. And so there you go. That's what he wanted to see. Like you said, the same thing he does a little bit better. And it killed him to know that Pat could do it, but he didn't show that that skill or trick or whatever. It's kind of yeah, it's totally. like he couldn't see the micro motion piece in front of him, which in my eyes is the best thing ever created. Mm-hmm. And that, that was a real moment for me of like, oh, right. Well, that's the thing Eric said. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. But uh, back to your question, then, is there some specific title of a book that I'm specifically fond, fond of? Yeah, for some, you know, yeah. F- yeah. There specific is, reason. <clears throat> there is one book, and it's actually available online, so anybody who wants to read it can just Google it, and they will find it. And it's written by, in 1984, by a guy called Francesco Alvarez. Mm. And the book is called Juggling its history and greatest performers. Hmm. And if you Google that, you will find that. I think it's available as a PDF or something on the. It's on some IGA. Okay. Uh, down down the maze down on that website, and I think it's a really fantastic book because it's it's about juggling history, but it's very it's very brief in terms of the different uh, things that he brings up. And it's all based on his own research. And he researched everything. He went to libraries. And I'm going to guess that he has sources for everything that's in the book. That's the that's the kind of the sen- how it feels mm. in terms of how he writes it. And there's, you know, the acknowledgments in the book. And, and he mentions the archives that he researched. Mm. And it's a, it's a really nice little book. Uh, he, he also makes... My, my favorite, probably my favorite page in the entire book is the first, some the first few pages. There's a picture of a Stone Age man mm-hmm. who is balancing a, a tree branch on his, 
on his in his hand, mm-hmm. and then it says something like the the caption of the of the drawing is something like Stone Age man discovers the balance by accident or something mm. like that, and I just thought that was so incredibly beautiful that he did that in a history book because you can of course say that. This is here. We have the you know the Egyptian women in the tombs at Beni Hassan, and it's the oldest trace we have of juggling, and it's I think it's so incredible that Francesco Alvarez, he also an understood and tried to imagine and shared that imagination of some kind of birth of juggling. Mm. He 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 took that seriously and said like, right. yeah, but okay, this is the oldest trace. I wonder what is that situation where juggling actually appeared for the first time, <laughs> yeah. and then he drew that and put yeah. that in the book. Yeah, he had the he had the bravery or whatever to to go all the way with that thought and yeah, and make he, something yeah, and that, make I a mean, proposal about it. It's something I I admire so much about people who think try to think about things since when they they try to to uh, think about a concept in the limit, right. And that's really what that is about, right? You mm-hmm. you try to think, okay, but what is the actual birth of this idea? What and, could that look like? And he didn't just write the book. I mean, he was, a, he was a really good juggler, right? What what was the juggling he did, or do you know? Francesco Alvarez, he was uh, he was not a. I don't think I've seen video him of him. He was kind of like a semi professional. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Uh, so uh, there's photos of him, and he juggles uh, this. The Rastelli sticks and mm. rings and, and things like that. Right. Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna guess that he was probably a decent juggler for the time. Mm. And like, why wasn't he a full professional? Maybe he didn't pursue it. He had other, yeah. you know. But as far as I know, he was not a professional juggler. Although mm. he he had like a, a semi, like a career on the side. Yeah. Someone who is enthusiastic and practices a lot, but mm. yeah, still keeps another profession. And what about uh, in another favorite book you have on the collection? Um, and some other favorite book? Well, <laughs> by now I think I have enough distance to the Carl Heinz Seaton book that we worked on for <laughs> so many years <laughs> yeah. that I, I still have to put it up there. I mean, the, the process of making that book was, you know, yeah, had a lot of problems, but eventually the book got done and now it's there and it is what it is and i think it still has it is still like the most comprehensive source mm. for juggling history that is out there and i mean the pictures are beautiful a lot of them and mm. there's a lot of valuable information and especially the information that comes from carl's life firsthand yeah like that he went he actually went and met a lot of these people and when he gives an account of that right. and kind of the first hand stories right. of what they told him i think those parts of the book are incredible mm. um so yeah i i would have to say that book um and then there's another book that is not a juggling book uh purely it's a book about circus acts called star turns Hmm. and turn is we don't use that word so much anymore but turn used to be a word for an act 
Like, right. yeah. who, whose turn is it? Yeah, now yeah. the next turn is... Oh, he's so. going to go do his turn now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. it meant... So you could say Star Acts mm. is the title of the book. But yeah, it's mm. Star Turns. And it's uh, written by a German author called August Heinrich Kober, who also wrote a fictional book about Rastelli's life. Okay. Called Das Wunder der Tanzende Bälle. Okay. So it's like semi-fictional. I I'm still waiting for that book to be translated. So uh-huh. I, I can't give an account right. of of what's in there, but I think it's some kind of, you know, mystery. Uh, there's some dramatic about there's some drama about Rastelli's death. And, and that just plays upon Rastelli being so famous that someone would write a fiction fictional book about him. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. So uh, so Colbert, he also wrote that book, Star Turns, and then he gives an account of when he goes to meet Rastelli. Mm. So he goes into the circus and he's, you know, he asks people, oh, where, where can I find Rastelli? And they say, you know, of course, he's practicing in the in the ring. And then he goes to the to the manege to talk to Rastelli and his wife Henrietta is there. So he speaks to her and then he speaks to Rastelli. And yeah, it's an account of that. That meeting and it's it's really uh, touching. I'm so terrible with uh, with remembering names, but what's the book that Neil's translated? To be a ju- if you were a juggler, to be a juggler. What's the one? Uh, if you want, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah you. Uh, you mean the French one? I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I, I think there's one, what is it called? Here's to you, the jugglers. I think there's one by Adrian. Hmm. No, no, it's it's isn't it originally a Russian text. Uh, oh, you're talking about the flying plates. Yeah, yeah, that that book. Uh, yeah, that's written by. Oh, what's that author? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I forget what the author is now, of that book. But that book is very much. Uh, the source is Karl Heinz books. It's basically gotcha. like a Russian version of, mm. of that. Okay. Uh, or, but Niels also translated the the autobiography of uh, Alexander Kiss. Mm. And that's a really that's a really lovely book. I think it says in the book that Alexander Kiss he went he he practiced so much so he even practiced on his wedding day. Okay. <laughs> on the day he got married, it's like okay, got married, time to practice. Went to practice, which I think is funny. Um, so yeah, Maybe, but, that could be the one I was thinking about. I don't know. There, there's one, there, there's one old old text that he translated that I read, and um, like you're talking about how Alvarez dared to make this uh, caveman drawing, mm-hmm. and in the text it was it was I wouldn't say dry text about juggling, but it was pretty straightforward. But then there was a lot of poetic observations, like a lot of poetry, a lot of more emotional depth than I had really you know i don't know than i had imagined would have been there um just because you i don't i don't really see much evidence or trace of that in those in that era when the book was around but i'll think of it in a second whatever mm-hmm. it doesn't matter yeah i mean i just to say a word or two about niels danker i mean he's probably the greatest contributor to the juggling literature in the past, I mean, in most recent times, I mean, because he 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 published the life work of Karl Heinz, which is you know the greatest source of juggling history available, and he also translated a, a, a lot of the books in kind of the 
canon of juggling history that are not written in English. So there's a couple of books in French, right. Russian, and German that he, thanks to Nils Denker, they are now available in English. Yeah, I'm so stupid. It was exactly If You Are a Juggler by Alexander Kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty impressed by, yeah, the, there, was, there was a couple of moments of, I don't say poetry, but there was some sort of poetry he found in what he was doing, which I was surprised by. I don't mean, I don't mean that in a derogatory way that I thought he was, you know, an idiot or something, but just more that, I don't know, I wasn't expecting it that, because he's a very technical juggler, Alexander Kiss, right? I mean, he made five club back crosses and things like this, and that he found some, some deeper emotional depth to what he was doing, I thought was amazing. And then the other, the other book, which was really fun, was the, that, that Niels had translated was Here's to You, The Jugglers by Paul Adrian. Um, it was also yeah. fun to, to read that one. Um, it, what's, what's, what I'm still super interested in regarding these juggling history books specifically is I'm, I'm interested in where does this knowledge come from? Because none of them, mm-hmm. except for the Alvarez book, who he doesn't give sources in the text, but you can kind of figure out. I think there's, a, there's maybe a, a, a little text at the end where he explains where he got the information from. But most of the other books, they're not, you don't have any sources. And it's super fun, like in my, in my work of of trying to do an inventory of all this literature every once in a while i run into an article mostly like german articles from magazines you know those those artist magazines that i told you about like yeah. der artist or organ or the, the, those magazines and you you can come across a an article about juggling and then you see the knowledge and you'd recognize like oh this is where karl heinz got the right. you know that yeah. thing from uh, and th- yeah, it's just that that's I mean, that's an enormous amount of work, but it would be really cool if someone cross referenced. Yeah. Once the bibliography is done and out there and we could have like a library or something, that would be incredible to like cross reference all these sources and see where where does the original come from but do you have any plans or dreams or wishes for the bibliography to be i don't know public or accessible or i mean since we're in 2022 it would make the most sense to have it as a database online and then you could also you know add new titles to it Right. If you find things that you had missed or if new things are being published and there you know you can tag things you can order things by year or you yeah. know there's so many yeah. things you can do if it was a database that you couldn't do in a book. I mean a book you can have an index. But are you are like you working that. towards something like that or no? Ah I <laughs> wish I was. Yeah. But you know one day. One day maybe but right. uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, w- one quick thing and I wanted to get back to something you said earlier but one quick thing uh, what books did you have uh, when you were growing up juggling like like so I had yeah. Juggling for the Complete Klutz my first book yeah. I got the three beanbags I still have them they were my first beanbags um, I had the Complete Juggler with Dave Finnegan of course and then I had Juggling um, Juggling with Finesse by Kit Summers but for some reason that didn't have such an impact on me like it was cool like the pictures were cool but maybe I had already that the complete juggler was kind of my my bible for tricks and technique but the other book that really stood out was the three ball digest by dick franco that was a big one for me so those were kind of my my books growing up yeah i mean it's so funny like my 
the entire body of literature in terms of tapes and books like yeah videotapes <laughs> yeah videotapes and books so i can give you the whole account which is <laughs> the books i had same same with me three ball digest by dick franco super influential mm. on me and there there we actually in terms of connecting knowledge to to do doing that book like dick franco's books actually does that a little bit because you know both that book and the the he also wrote a three club book yeah both of them have a history section at the yeah. end or yeah. like a like a yeah picture totally connection and we should say that about finnegan's book too it also has that yeah yeah so i think there are attempts to connect the two but perhaps not explicitly i mean i also loved about the complete juggler there was also the performance section with you know, suggestions yeah. of how to perform the, t- the technique and tricks. And that was really cool, too. Totally, totally. To, to think about that. Yeah. And, w- I mean, okay, so now my list of books, Three Ball Digest, and then, of course, the Charlie Dancy books, which are incredible books. Yeah, that's so funny. I, you know, I think that I was before their time. Like, I was, you know, I, I started juggling before they were written, probably. And just that I was in America, and they were written across the pond in England or something had, had something to do with it in terms of access. But I mean, pretty quickly after I got into juggling, I started to collect everything that was available. Um, but, you know, the formative books were those kind of, those three. I mean, I also had Beyond the Cascade for a second was kind of really interesting to me. But, uh, nah, yeah. Yeah, no, but so, so I had Three Bottles Digest, the, the two Charlie Dancy books, and I think that was, that was probably it. My friend had Juggling with Finesse. So I had kind of, you know, flipped through that a couple of times, mm. but I didn't have that one myself when I was younger. And then I had the tapes I had was IJA from 1989, the championships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had that tape. And, and then I had Michael Motion in Motion and Cocklean. <laughs> that is an amazing, that is a completely incredible and amazing collection yeah. of tapes. I mean, to the to the point of like, that would be an amazing collection of videos just to have now. Yeah. Even with everything that's that's out there now, you, you could... It's kind of the peak. Yeah, you couldn't really go wrong with those three, actually. That's pretty insane. So, so 89, that would have been Cindy Marvell uh, yep. won the championships. Michael Menes, yep. second place. Uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, second place. And yeah. then third place is... I, I have... I, Ryder, Red Ryder. I, I no, 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 no. Hold on now. Cindy Marvell, <laughs> first place... Uh, we can we can keep speculating about things we could Google here. This is so goddamn. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. No, let's move on. Is it Larry V? Yeah, sure. In let's, second, and Michael Maness in third. Let's just say yes, and people. I can, think it is. Yeah, we can Google. Let's let's look on the internet now. We don't have to know these things in our mind. It's all on the internet. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was obviously a great. I mean, a great video to have, mm-hmm. uh, especially next to Caught Clean, next to Michael Motion Motion. Yeah. Like that's insane. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that the the next major book I got after Beyond the Cascade was Juggling the Art and Its Artists. Uh, By Carl Heinz? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And Andrew Allen. And Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Neil Stammer. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I didn't, unfortunately, I did not have any Carl Heinz books growing up. I did not have them. Mm. I met Carl Heinz bef- before I had any of his books. That's cool. Oh, that's pretty funny. Um, well, hey, look, let's get, let's get back to one thing you were talking about earlier. I wanted to ask you, because um, you were talking about kind of this, this bibliography you were making that tried to divide things into eras and epochs. And you were talking about, about, about your process. And 
I had one thing I wanted to ask you about this process you've been working on, because recently you started talking about existentialism and juggling and, and that kind of came out of something you're working on. So uh, maybe you can jump off from the process you were talking about with this bibliography into what in the world you mean with existentialism and juggling. <laughs> yeah, sure. So my, in terms of thinking about juggling, my, my trajectory in that very much starts with the historical uh, he's studied, studying the history of juggling. So I was, I met Carl Heinz, started to get juggling history books, started to read them. And then around, so that's around 2007. And then in 2009, that's when you and Luke Wilson did that course, the university course called Juggling and Music. Right, right. And in that course, we had to do presentations. Yep. And I decided to do a presentation about uh, juggling and composition, I think. Or mm. juggling and, yeah, composition in juggling, like structuring routines and, and things like that and how that had developed. Mm. And that was really the first task that I gave myself to try to speak about juggling in my own words about some specific theme Hmm. or some specific area in, in juggling. That, that time it was about sequences and and the, the de- development of, of routines in juggling. So when I did that, I, I immediately noticed that just because you have some kind of knowledge or understanding in your mind, when you try, when you try to squeeze that out onto paper or you're going to give a talk about it, it's a different story, right? I didn't have that experience before. So I did that there in that class. And then the year after was the Swedish juggling convention. And I decided I had such an, you know, it was such an enormous experience for me to start to grasp this historical stuff. It was such an emotional experience for me that I was just like, I have to write a lecture about this. And I tried to write one lecture that covered the entire history of juggling. Wow. That I had kind of (laughs) taken a deep dive in for the past, you know, three years or something at that point. Mm. And I mean, it was kind of a disaster, that lecture, I remember, because I I had no... I had no idea in advance how long it would get. <laughs> and I had no feeling regarding how, how, people, how people meet knowledge that they don't know anything about. And then you take them through this like super long journey yeah. through all this stuff that you know, it's not really possible to do that. Yeah. But, uh, and, I, and I kind of understood that, you know, soon after that, okay, this is probably not the best way to, to do this. Hmm. But, uh, but, but at that point, I had already started. I started to write about the his, history of juggling and I started to make, you know, try to do these summaries and I tried to do these s- specific descriptions of some certain little field that interested me. And I mean, very soon after, I bumped into this problem of, okay, you want to write about the history of juggling? What is juggling? Right. Because you have to define the subject that you are writing the history of. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so first step history, second step definition. Mm. And then we did that whole journey that you were very much part of, right? For mm. the 
coming for the next 10 years or whatever. Right. And we dabbled with that and tried to make sense of that. Mm. Uh, still trying to make sense of that in, in several ways. Although I think the kind of the core understanding of that has kind of stagnated at this point. I, I feel quite quite certain about it uh, at this point. And to me, I mean, the, 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 the next step is super obvious. It, it would be to, to acknowledge what juggling is and then take a step towards, well, what do we want juggling to be? How would we like the language to describe juggling? Because where Well, that was, that was the whole point, right? That was, yeah. or not the whole point, that was maybe half of, half of the point was, because uh, the other half of the point was exactly what you said. Hey, I want to talk about the history of juggling. Okay, cool. And that's going to start with telling you what juggling is, so I can tell you the history of it, yeah. <laughs> right? And you can yeah. point to that thing, and then you can tell where that thing came from. Mm. That seems simple enough. But the other half of the story is, um, where do you want juggling to go? But you can't... It's really harder to say where you want something to go if you don't know where it is now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this is how I want juggling to develop from here. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where, where is here? Yeah. Right. So you want to define what juggling is so that you can understand where it could possibly go next. Right. Otherwise, you're just lost. You're just wandering in a void and you yeah. don't you can't yeah. connect the lines. Yeah. So trajectory wise, history to definition and then to the third step, which in my case was, OK, I know what juggling has been and I have an idea of what juggling is. So can I imagine what juggling could be? OK. And that was very much the work I did with the with the ghost cubes mm. uh, because I then tried to imagine and again it's this backwards uh, yeah look at the historical juggler who doesn't have a standardized standardized list of objects to choose from but had to invent their own objects or modify everyday objects mm-hmm. right and that was a whole plethora of objects and I was just so curious about that practice of making objects combining that with the work of the juggler what does that look like so it's some something like what is a juggler juggler's practice that includes making the object mm. and i that's that's what i dealt with for the first uh, year of my phd is very much that question uh, describing what a process like that can look like mm. wh- what could a starting point be, etc. How do you work like that? Mm-hmm. So when I was done with that, I felt like, okay, what's what's the obvious next step? Mm. And as I was looking at how a juggler works, how a juggler thinks, I also started to discern that a lot of these activities that I'm engaged with as a juggler, they can be also seen as artistic activities. Like for an example, this work that we've been talking about right now of of bibliographies and juggling literature, Mm -hmm. like we could see that as, you know, that's uh, knowledge that's aside from the, you know, art making in juggling or we could take another perspective and we can say that, no, that is also an artistic practice that I'm engaged with as a juggling artist. Okay. And I became very interested in that uh, in terms of my, my own life and my own, my own creations. So I thought that, okay, 
I want to keep doing the archiving. I want to keep doing, you know, working with bibliography. And I want that to be done from the conscious perspective of of them being artistic practices, just like I go to the studio and I rehearse. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, so therefore, I was like, okay, I've been very engaged with uh, the juggler Cinque Valli, for an example. Mm. And in that research, I just stumble upon a lot of things, a lot of you know interviews with him and other people around him, and two of those things specifically kind of stood out recently and there was these two articles there are actually there's sections of books that talk about Cinque Valley and the one uh, the one book which is called um, a little a little of everything by an author called E.V. Lucas and that chapter on Cinque Valley describes Cinque Valley's work as absolutely fantastic he's an incredible person the things we see on stage that he does are unbelievable and it's you know it's like Nijinsky it's like Shakespeare it's it's just incredible uh, to witness then there was this other book called uh, day in and uh, let's see so I get this right it's day in and out or day in and day out or some something like that and it's written by a guy called... Uh, it's, again, how do you say that word? Pseudonym? Oh, a pseudonym. Pseudonym. Yeah. Pseudonym. Uh, so the author is... I, don't, I still don't know his name, but it, the pseudonym is The Londoner. Okay. And the chapter on Cinque Valley is interesting because this author explains that he has experience with uh, Bill Bouquet, you know, the yeah. French toy that looks like a well, it's kendama. like a kendama without the extra cups. On right. The, on the so it's basically a stick spike. with a spike in one hand and a cup in the other hand. Yeah. And, and from the center of the stick, there's a string, string. tied to a wooden ball. Which has a hole in it. Which has a hole in it. Right. So the game is to either just kind of swing, swing up the, the ball. And spike it. And either spike it or catch, catch it on, on the, the cup. cup. Yeah. So this author, the Londoner, he describes that he has one of those that he likes to fiddle with in his garden every once in a while. And he says that I, sometimes I can catch it in the cup. Mm. But only one time out of a hundred I can catch the ball on the spike. Right. And so this guy was familiar with skill and objects and what practice kind of requires uh, in order to get consistent with something. So he says that when I see Cinque Valle's performance, I see a person who is catching the ball on the spike a hundred times out of a hundred. Mm-hmm. And then he talks a little bit about the feats that Cinque Valle does, like catching an egg a raw egg on a plate. So that was one of Cinque Valle's tricks. He took a raw egg and he threw it very, very high. And then he had a porcelain plate and he caught the, the egg on the plate without breaking it by, you know, you kill the... the yeah, you cushion or scoop it down. Exactly. Kill the momentum. You kill the momentum. And if you do that correctly, you're not going to break the egg. Mm. So he talks about that. And then he says... These things we are not supposed to do as human beings. Because if we do, that is evidence of a life wasted on useful activities. Mm. Okay. So the point of life is not... 
to catch a raw egg on a plate. Mm. We are supposed to be bad at those things. Mm. We are supposed to to play stick and ball and to play it badly is what he says. And you you would be playing it badly because you'd be spending your time on other pursuits instead of practicing to play it well. Exactly. Yeah. You should go build a bridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cure diseases. Yeah. Teach the children, etc. Okay. So I just thought that was funny that I that I stumbled on those two uh, writings of Cinque Valle kind of at the same around the same time. Right. And like I was in I was in this uh, I had this habit of placing things next to each other to see what happens. Mm. Uh, so so I was doing that and I was thinking about those specific writings and it's like okay these are kind of uh, again in terms of thinking about concepts in the limit. You could see these things as endpoints of a conceptual spectrum right. of of the justification of juggling. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. On one hand, it's it's completely pointless and useless, and on the other hand, it's Shakespeare and it's the height of human achievement, kind of in one area. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, this is fun. Like, how can I how can I think about juggling in its in its existential existential justification? Because I think it's it's a fun thing if if someone is you know philosophically wired to think about it in terms of your own life. Like okay, you Jay Gilligan, like why should you exist? That's something that we can all like spend some time thinking about and perhaps come to you know, important realizations about our lives and our choices, right? So I was just thinking about that and like it is, maybe it's fun if if I am a juggler and I spend a lot of time juggling and thinking about juggling, I should also think about motivating that existence <laughs> okay. and see where, to see, as, yeah. a, as, a, as a creative exercise, to see where does totally. my thoughts end up, you know? That could yeah. be a fun game. Maybe yeah. I realize something that I hadn't thought of before. Yeah. Because I had definitely not thought of it in either of those ways that these writings described. Sure, sure. Not to those limits, yeah. Uh, t- totally. So then I was like, okay, how can we do this? Like, So I... I I started thinking about it a little bit, like, okay, why, why juggle? Why, why should we do that? And I also, you know, sometimes I, I also ask jugglers, I ask them that question, like, why juggling? And you can, you can phrase that question in many different ways. Like you could all, one way I like to tell it, uh, to ask it is uh, because of a old juggler in Finland called Henrico, Mm. because Henrico at one point, Supposedly, he was the only juggler in Finland, mm-hmm. or that's yeah, that's kind of his one of his the things that people say about him. He was the only juggler at one point, and I try to I try to I kind of use that situation in this existential uh, question because you could ask yourself, let's say you were the only juggler, but now not just in Finland but in the entire world, you are the only person who sits on this knowledge, how you do this thing, and, you know, like, you can pass that on. Would you do that and why? Yeah. And where do you end up if you ask that question? So that's that's another way of asking it. Like, you could just ask simply, like, hey, should juggling exist? and Or why do you juggle? And, like, I, I it seems to me as often jugglers, 
<laughs> sometimes they kind of play the 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 other game they go well juggling is useless of course juggling is useless we it's, you know yeah it's a badge of honor or they kind of highlight that as a as a positive than a yeah i don't know they, they use yeah right it's a battle cry yeah <laughs> and i mean i i th- that very much then you're kind of leaning into the bill bouquet guy yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's there's that there's that definition of or there's the relationship to juggling that people talk about in the in the style of a definition of juggling of doing useless things the hardest way possible, like right. doing the most useless things in the hardest way possible. Ha ha! It's yeah. like with a little wink, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so, but I'm not sure that they're taking the question seriously enough. <laughs> right. I, I like I I think that maybe like maybe it's not so nice. Of me to just throw that question in in <laughs> on in people's face, and they're not prepared for it. So, uh, because then you you feel like you should come up with an answer. Because hey, I'm a juggler and I like I practice you know six hours a day, mm. and here comes this guy and asks asks me if if that that's motivated existentially. Like of course it is. Maybe like <laughs> yeah. maybe you feel pressured that you should have an answer. And then if you don't have an answer at hand, you you play the other stressful, game. yeah. Yeah, you try to play, you know, yeah. some other side of it. So so I, I get that. But uh, but I think it, it is possible to take the question seriously. And I think also that juggling is big enough in this world that it seems to me as that should be kind of evidence that it is has some kind of existential uh it, it plays some kind of existential role in humanity as a whole, mm. at least a part of it, because mm. shouldn't it have died out by now otherwise? Right. Just I, being Darwin about it, you know? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, when you, when you say like that question, like, why, why do you juggle? I mean, I, I have a pretty casual, like, uh, I'm, I don't know, response to that or, or a reflection on, I mean, when I thought about that in my life, I mean, a couple of things to say about that, which is um, I had this this moment of, of of exactly that thinking like, hey, I should figure out why I juggle, not because um, for any other reason, except that when things get hard, I can remember why I do this as an artist. It was more as an artist or something or, or my relationship to juggling. And saying, hey, I'm dedicating my life to juggling or a, a large chunk of my life and my activities towards juggling. And it wasn't a problem in the moment. I wasn't like, oh, I got to figure out why I'm doing this. But I did have that moment of thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great to know a little bit about why I do this? Not because it's going to I need it. I, it's going to help me now or I'm in some sort of need of that answer now. But maybe in the future, I could conceive of a time I could imagine a point in my life where the practice is hard and the economic <laughs> mechanism isn't there to support the work and I'm struggling in some way. And I think I could really imagine myself in that future scenario of having some problems. And if I didn't know why I was maybe juggling or pursuing juggling to this depth, um, maybe I'd be in trouble. Maybe I'd quit or maybe I would suffer a lot more. Whereas if I could understand a little bit about why I was doing this, I could hold on to that as some sort of strength and core and hope. And yeah. And so we did that in the circus school for a couple of years. Um, where I especially remember with Wes, it was really fun when, when Wes, Wes was in school 
And we did on the, in the third year, uh, a, you know, a few days on talking about, hey, why do you juggle? And really posing that question to him. And we did it for a few other students too after that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's like the most hardcore question, right? Like, yeah. Like you're saying, like, why do you juggle? And you're just like, I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, but it, it is, yeah. But to spend some real time on it. And just to say then, uh, you know, I did quit juggling. I did quit juggling twice in my life. I have quit twice, <laughs> but I started again tw- twice. Well, three times. The first mm-hmm. time I learned, and then this after I quit the first time, and after I quit the second time. So, um, and that was that was a tangled mess for sure. Those two times I quit, uh, and there was some sort of obviously existential crisis <laughs> inside of me to the point of, of quitting juggling. Um, those are stories for another time <laughs> to not get <laughs> sidetracked. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. It, just to say there. I do have a personal experience and relationship to that question, like in very practical, real scenarios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like to to connect to something that we spoke of earlier, which is the the uh, some hypothetical birth of juggling, like the Stone Age man mm. with the stick yeah. that, that Alvarez imagined. That was something that I, uh, for some lecture or something that I... I you know, took a little bit of time to to think about like what are possible births of juggling and like accident is certainly one of them. Let's say this Stone Age man sees a branch fall from a tree and it falls, you know, uh, vertically, ends up vertically on the ground and maybe it stands there for a second or two before it it falls over. Mm. And, And this person goes, hmm, I wonder how that, you know, happened. And then he tries to recreate it uh, in their in their hand, right? Mm. So that's a possibility. Another possibility is uh, that human beings have always been engaged with war and hunting, mm-hmm. and that involves uh, weapons. And when you get very proficient with weapons, you get just manipulative habits, I think, appear in that... Uh, kind of overcompensation of skill mm-hmm. there's something there when you get over your skill exceeds what's required from you kind of yeah and we see that in a lot of places in the world like cooking and you know you you're so good at making pizzas you start spinning the dough yeah you know so there's that in some kind of uh you know for survival or something like that we have these activities with objects and we when we get uh proficient to a to a, a d- degree that our our skill exceeds what's necessary i think that something juggling like might appear hmm. so there was a couple of things like that that i kind of had on my list and i shared the list with Ivar Heckscher mm-hmm. and he said no no this is <laughs> this is wrong or whatever yeah. that's not why that's not the birth of juggling yeah. the birth of juggling is because life is hard yeah. and we want to make it feel easy so when we walk to our car we throw the car keys in the air and catch them because yeah that, that was the story right yeah and I think that's so true yeah like that is definitely like he took me to school there yeah <laughs> it was so good so I, I added that to the list immediately yeah uh, so so it was just fun that he answered the birth of juggling from an existential perspective mm. like that was really cool I think mm. uh, but but I mean 
yeah. But before getting into to kind of where you're at right now with it, just just really quick, looking back in your past before you had this kind of evolution of your thought process, um, when you were younger, for example, uh, did you ever think about well, why am I juggling? Did that ever did that ever cause you a problem before? Did you ever have a thought about it before or an answer in a certain way? I mean, you went to circus school, well, so that's I also mean, a formal <laughs> practice of like. Yeah, more, more than me. I was just a hobby. I just kept practicing for fun. But you're like, I'm going to go to school for this. And that's a statement. Yeah, but I mean, I just have this personality that I get, you know, overly into things. Do you know, <laughs> do you know, do you know of the clothing company, uh, A Bathing Ape? Yeah. Do you know what that title means? Well, please, I think so. But yeah, go okay. for it. So it's some Japanese expression that is a bathing ape in lukewarm water mm. and it refers to the youth that the the apparently it's something that old people in Japan say to a certain segment of the youth mm. that when they get they when they get too deep into something and it's like you're taking a bath right but you're staying in the bath for too long. And the water gets... Uh, and the water... Loses its heat. Exactly. Oh, okay. And that's what you are. You, you're, you're too excited about this stuff, basically. <laughs> right. <Yeah>. And, <laughs> I think and here we are. And here we are. So I just have that personality, I think. Okay. That I'm, I just find something and it just I'm just fascinated by it. And it's just my fascination kind of overrides any logic or or you know reason Mm. so but of course i i bump into you know the hard reality in terms of that but but the reality that i always bump into is you know things like economics or or you have to do something proper with your life or sure you have to make a living and (laughs) right things like that so so i don't know if i ever had an existential crisis in terms of juggling i certainly got bored by it from time to time that Mm. like you get kind of get fed up with it when you've seen too much of the same or your own progress isn't Mm. going you know as smoothly as you might have wanted let's say and you can go ah why am i you know this this is just too hard Mm. Why don't I choose something, you know, easy? Why don't just, you know, get a job in a bank or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and, and yeah, there's just different aspects of juggling that you can uh, yeah, get frustrated by, perhaps like the just the cultural side or the sometimes it's too such a it is such a sub 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 genre that it's it gets frustrating. You, you get confined or you feel like frustrated. Like, why can't we just just like, you know, again, having increasing the number of jugglers i'm sure would also increase just the number of props you could buy or the number of prop manufacturers that could exist etc etc and sometimes it's really fun to be in a little niche subculture and sometimes it's really annoying i have to (laughs) say and like i don't want to yeah i'm I'm not going to dive into why i quit those two times and why i started to juggle again but i think it would be nice i could say something about you know why i juggle uh because i did try to answer that question for myself and i think many times I think a lot of people have an answer to that question that's just super deeply intuitive to the point where it's almost impossible to articulate, but I thought it would be a fun game. Like back when we were working with Wes in school and stuff and like, hey, Wes, let's try to figure out why do we juggle? Like you try to figure it out for you. I'll try to figure it out for me. And we'll try to say something about it, you know, just, you know, to dare to try to say something about it. And 
I don't know uh, how close I could even get to some sort of coherent answer. Um, I can babble on. I can I can kind of babble with my words and say stuff like, um, "It's how I make sense of the world," or you know, inside of juggling, it's where I find things make sense in my brain, or blah blah blah. Like, but it but I do I do recognize moments in juggling where if I see a new trick, somebody does a new trick in a certain way or a certain style, and I go. Oh, it gives me it gives me a deeper understanding of the world I live in. I go, oh, that's how the world works. When when you have the prop that's that shape and the body that moves like that, and you have three of them and they flop over each other like that, it's like reveals some sort of truth to me about the world I'm living in. Um, so that's some sort of reason about why. I don't know. If that's why I juggle. I mean, again, that's it seems like such a heavy question. It's more like that's why I'm maybe attracted to juggling or I enjoy those moments of juggling. And then, I mean, on a fundamental level right now, of course, like you were saying, in terms of lifestyle and uh, responsibilities and everything, it's like, yep, make money through juggling. And that's like a reason why I juggle. Um, but that's not really, yeah, I, I don't find that so interesting in terms of the larger picture, because if my only motivation was to make money, clearly I would not just be a juggler. I mean, if I was just going to go make money as my only end goal, right? So there's something else there to it. Yeah, no, so I've, I fully agree with you. Like if someone chooses juggling from an economic, you know, <laughs> based on economics, that, that seems like, not not that you can not make money in juggling, like there's... Yeah, just to say, I, that, I would much rather be a juggler than a dancer or an actor, just yeah. to say, like it's, it's, it's the bigger, it's the bigger fish in the smaller pond, right? There's not a lot of work for jugglers, but of the work that there is, I think there's many times enough work to go around, thankfully, or at least enough that you and I can uh, still be here. Totally. Basically. But to try to give you something about the answer in terms of my own process of, of, of that question, like I've, I've come to two answers so far, mm. and like I'm, I'm more and more interested in ways to think about the question and uh, how to ask, ask the questions then the an- the answers get less and less I- interesting to me but I still like I've had to and I think that every once in a while it makes makes sense to kind of push yourself to give an answer just to see where you end up so I have two of those that are kind of work works in progress that I'll share with you because mm. this is you know kind of ongoing research still so who knows what I end up with so the first one I think that in terms of juggling and in terms of objects and in terms of that question, why do you juggle? I had come to that point in my own, in my own, you know, artistic life that juggling to me was centered around this idea of making an object or finding an object that you decide that this is it. If you want to, you know, take it kind of the Duchampian mm. version of, of sculpture, let's say that, okay, this is the sculpture, it's already made. But you can also make that sculpture yourself and that's the object that you're gonna manipulate. So that was very much this, the core of my own, uh, my own practice was, was that. So I was like, okay, how do I justify the existence of that? And I thought about just human beings and kind of what we have, what we share in common, like the human experience. And I thought about that objects are very much part of just the general human experience. Like we all have 
objects around our around us that do different things for us that we use in different ways and there are kind of object explorations exist in every human being's life so what is that like where is juggling position in terms of that in terms of kind of the greater picture of hu- of human experience and i thought okay well whereas you know let's say architecture is also juggled it's also objects it's houses that are being built you know by smaller components let's say and i thought okay well architecture could perhaps be seen if we speak about it generally it's a little bit more advanced than juggling objects like you can do juggling with a stick Mm. now can a stick be architecture yeah, maybe we could. There's probably someone out there, yeah, who could, yeah. you know, take a stick and like kind of shove it into the ground and be like architecture. Sure. And like, fine, that's fine with me. But right. if we're gonna be a little bit more, you know, pragmatic about it, we would not generally say that that's architecture. Mm. So I thought, okay, what's a va- what's the value then of juggling in terms of that, in terms of objects and all the other categories and activities that human beings are engaged with where does juggling place itself there and then i had this i was very much into this uh i had this idea of if you're going to think about something you kind of you try to imagine like the situation where that is and you try to make up a situation that everybody could have a chance to relate to so i imagine this person who is walking down a beach and they pick up, uh, you know, something small from the, from the beach, like a seashell or a, a little pebble or something. And I thought that okay, this is act actually the starting point for juggling. Like I could I could do just that, and a juggling exploration could start there. Hmm. Whereas taking the stick and shoving it to the ground, like is that the start of architecture? Maybe you could argue for that, but I would say that it's more present in in the case of juggling. Hmm. So I thought that, okay, what juggling really does is that it explores the interaction between a human being and an object. And it starts in, in, on the spectrum of possibilities from super primitive basic to super mega complex, juggling has the ability to explore the first part of that spectrum. Hmm. So it really starts from the very, very foundations of the human experience with objects. And I think that there is some kind of truth about living life and existing that you can find truth and understanding when you explore the very foundation, the very basics about something you can understand complex things and you know intricate uh, things about the human existence by doing so and we we have examples of that everywhere right everybody comes to that conclusion in every field that they start to get complex in eventually someone's going to go well what about what's in the other end you take music you get minimal music you take, you know, anything, right? You're going to have the minimal version. You're going to eventually, you're going to kind of return to the to the core, to the base of what that concept is. And when you explore that, 
you might have an epiphany. Mm. And that is kind of where I where, where I, I I stake my <laughs> yeah uh, my bet or how you say yeah that that juggling has potential there to give us answers about the human ex- about human existence and the, the fun- foundations of what that uh, contains. Mm. Hey, just a just a little side note. You were talking about you know the human relationship to objects in the world on different levels, right? There's a great, just to go back to books for a second, there's an amazing book called Object Categories by Pekka Harney that uh, you should check out because it's it's about ordering and categorizing all the objects in the world mm-hmm. in relationship to, to human uh, physiology. Mm-hmm. Um, talks about, you know, chair, it talks about, you know, objects that have handles, objects that have legs and different sorts of forms. But the great thing about the book is it not only catalogs what there is, but it proposes then, it conceptualizes those things and says what what there could be. So it makes these matrices of, hey, here's a, here we can find an, we can find an example of an object with a handle or an object with two handles, but what about an object then with three, four, five, six, and seven handles, et cetera. And you start to do these cross, uh, yeah, charts of what could exist in the future. Just technically, just based on what we have, and it's pretty amazing. Just it just popped to mind. We were talking about books, and I will check out that book. I know that you've mentioned it many times, and I, <laughs> I feel worse and worse every time you mention it because I still haven't haven't gotten it. Yeah. And like, meanwhile, I'm catalog cataloging all the Carl Heinz books, and <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably emailing Niels Danker, begging him for another translation. You know, <laughs> right, right. No, it's it's good. Uh, um, yeah, but you want to hear my other uh, existential uh, motivation? Absolutely. All right. So, so I had that. I had the beach story with the pebble, and I was like, okay, that's one way of answering it. I'm gonna kind of table that for now and see what happens if you know it, if it brews for a little bit. If there's some incubation time here that could perhaps make me realize that there's a better version of the story, or there's nah, it's not good because something else, or yeah, whatever. So there's that story. But then I thought, okay, maybe I could think about this in, from some other perspective and come up with another answer. Mm. And then I thought about just everyday life and what we do. And I realized in that moment that a lot of things that we do are, well, for, for a lack of a better word for now, I call them transportations. Mm. So there are things where we have kind of real content in life. Let's say tonight we're going to go see a performance. Yeah. We want to see this performance. And we're that's ho- hopefully going to give us a nice experience and we're going to have something to contemplate and discuss and It'll blah, have blah, blah, hold blah, some blah. meaning to us, yeah. It's going to have some kind of meaning perhaps in some way, yeah. Let, let's say it will. We haven't seen it yet, right. but let's say we will. But on the way to get to this performance we have to put our shoes on, mm. walk down the stairs. Finish this discussion. Finish this. No, hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not included. I'm talking about transportation now. I'm talking about all the things that we have to do in order to get to that thing mm. that we wanted to do. Okay. Uh, I'm, uh, specifically. And without other utility. Because this conversation that we're having now, hopefully it has other utility. I However... You putting on my shoes so I can walk down the staircase, I wouldn't do that unless I was going to go to this show. Then I'd, you know, go go to bed or yeah. turn on the TV or something. Gotcha. 
Right. So I'm putting on my shoes. I'm walking down the staircase. I'm getting into the car. I'm, you know, riding to this place, etc., etc. We could add, keep adding to the list. Mm. And then I was thinking about that. It's like, okay, those that mo those moments when I'm putting on my shoes. Let's say, let's let's take that as an isolated moment in those examples that I just gave, and we just examined that. I'm putting my shoes on. Mm. That does that have value in its isolated existence? Mm, it see. doesn't really. Right, I see what you mean. I wouldn't do it unless it accomplished the other thing. I would do something else. Right. I don't need to just have those shoes on for having shoes on. Mm. So then I was just like, okay, well, how how big of a part of my life is actually those kind of like transportational activities? Mm. It's quite a big part of my life. Mm. And there's a certain part of all of that that involves objects, like in the example that I just gave, that I put my shoes on. It's in it's an it's an activity. If it involves my body and an object or two objects in this case, mm. and it is useless. But in its isolated existence, on its own, on its own without the the later of seeing that performance. Yeah. So then I was just like, okay, what are we actually doing in juggling? We could say one way to conceptualize juggling is to say that we're exploring that. We're exploring that moment with the object and we're creating value of that moment in itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's my, if someone comes to me and comes into my face and say that juggling is useful, that's what I would get back to them with. I would useless, get, if they say it was useless. They would say that juggling is useless mm. or something like that. And they might be right, but what I would, what I would counter with them to give to them that they have to deal with is all those moments in their life that don't have value in their isolated existence. And that if we could make those moments valuable, how big of a part of your life is that? It's mm. maybe 50% of your life, man. Mm. You're going to throw that away? You think that's useless? Mm. You don't think it's valuable to think about that twice? Let's say you did find an answer. Let's say you did find the fucking solution to making all those moments valuable in your life. You'd have 50% more life, you know? Mm. And even if you just accomplish... 1% of that, 2% yeah. of that. Yeah. Isn't it a worthy pursuit? Yeah. For me, I'm 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 buying that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I'm buying that ride. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure I'm buying that ride. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that those are the two two uh, motivations that I have so far. <laughs>